This series is called The Process. The gist of it is this right here. Every single person on this planet, I believe and we believe and this church believe and the Bible says that God created us with a very distinct purpose in mind. That nothing was random, nothing was by coincidence, that, that nothing was an accident, that every single thing was on purpose, for a purpose, there was intentionality behind it. But that, that purpose rests only in a relationship with Jesus, in following Jesus Christ in this life. But that a lot of times, even when believers of Jesus understand that and get that, it's an epic moment in their life, but then they don't really know what to do after that. And so we said, there's this, usually there's this, this now what moment that usually becomes a now what season. And they usually just kind of die in that season or start going to church there. And eventually it becomes religion. Modern religion, modern church has completely ignored that in-between state between realizing that we were created for a purpose and then actually finding and living out that purpose. There's, there's this middle thing, and we see that so clearly in the life of Simon Peter. I think that it is a complete God thing, an intentional thing, and a Holy Spirit-directed thing that we see Simon from the minute that uh, he is introduced to Jesus for the first time to the minute that he dies. We get to see every single transition of his life in Christ to teach us what it is supposed to be like and to learn from. And the one thing you know, whether you, you believe uh, in the God part of the Bible or not, if you just simply read through the Gospels and read through Acts and read through Peter's letters at the end, you know that there is a distinct, dynamic difference between the Simon we meet in the early parts of the Gospels and the Peter that dies for Jesus in the middle of Acts. There is a, 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 a dynamic, there are two different people. And what separates them it's not just a relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with Jesus. And then there is a process that so many people, and for the last few generations, we have just completely ignored. And so people begin to follow Jesus, and people begin to chase him. And then we've watered down the Christian life to simply going to church, trying not to sin as much, and then just die quietly, put tithes in the offering plate, and leave. But God created us for a distinct and powerful, amazing purpose. That's what this series is about. It's the process of moving from the Simon that first met Jesus to the Peter that lived out, found and lived out his purpose in Christ. And last week we said that the, the process begins when you get to that place in your life when you no longer want to save your identity in you, your identity before you met Jesus Christ. You no longer want to save the Simon in you. It's a powerful place. It's a powerful process. And now I want to talk about, I want to, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to stop because I had to, I had to cut these two messages. I was going to preach one message today and the first part of it became so powerful and so impactful to me that I, I, I cut it in half and we move on to next week and I'm just going to dig deep into this today. And so I want to cut right to it. I'm going to go right to it. Quick two second recap. Jesus has this conversation with the disciples. Who do people say that I am? They say, some say you're Elijah, some say you're uh, John, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the other prophecies. Who do you say that I am? Simon says, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, you're uh, the anointed one, you're the Christ, you're Jesus. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father. And then he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. He gives him a new identity in Christ. This is the first time in history, first time in the Old Testament, New Testament, the first time that we see the idea that there is a new identity in Christ. 
that it's not just the old life that is saved, that, that there is, the old life dies and there is a new life. There is, there is something new. There's a new creation in Christ. Later on through the rest of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit inspires and teaches us all these things, but this is the first time. They'd never seen anything like this, so he divides us, Simon and Peter, and he gives him a new function, a new responsibility. Later on, it, it becomes clear he's the preacher. He's the leader that lays the foundation of the church and becomes a world changer and a history maker and, and becomes this guy, but he begins to separate. And right from this moment, Jesus began to tell uh, him who Jesus really is, and he confirms he is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God, and he begins to tell them what he has to do. And a few verses later, he says, I, I have to go to Jerusalem, and I have to suffer at the hands of the chief priests, and I, I have to go, and I have to die and be raised to life in, in three days. And he begins to tell him his purpose. And then Peter, and this is the part where I want you to understand, because this is the part where we're going to dig deep here in just a minute. Then Peter takes him aside, and he rebukes him. He, he's not really listening to what he's saying. He's saying this, and he rebukes me. He says, no, Lord, never, Lord. This is never going to happen. Not to you. This is never going to happen. And immediately, Jesus turns to him. And we talked about this, but we didn't focus on it. But we're going to focus on it this week. Immediately, Jesus turns to him, looks at Peter, and he says something that's incredibly powerful and incredibly exposing and incredibly uh, telling about the situation, about the reality. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me because in, in your mind or in the deepest things, in the, your deepest self and, and the parts around your heart and, and, and your deepest self, you don't have the things of God, but you merely have the things of, of man. And this was when he, he, he then, based off this problem, he then gives us that warning and that promise if you don't want to, if you want to save the Simon in you, if you want to save the identity before Christ, then you will utterly destroy your new identity in me. You'll never be able to discover it. You've got to give up Simon. That was last week's message. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. But this right here is what I want to focus on because this is a powerful, powerful thing. Because this morning I want to talk to you about one of the first things that has to happen in this process and why this has to happen. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to say some things today that you don't really hear a lot that we don't really like a lot, and, you, and you're going to want to justify it, water it down, switch it around, change it, because we're not going to like this, but this is a reality. And if you will just accept this as truth, it will set you free, and it will give you some answers to some things in your life that you've had potentially for a long time. And it's the why Simon has to die, and it's the why Jesus looked at him and called him Satan. So let's just step into the moment just for a second. So, so Jesus begins to tell uh, them, this is who I am. I am the Messiah. You're right. I am the anointed one. I have to go. I have to die. I have to be raised to life again. And, and as he's doing this, Peter takes him and he begins to rebuke him and says, never listen, I'm going to have you. And he says, stop. Just get behind me, Satan. In the deepest part of who you are, they're, still, they're not the things of God. They're the things of man. So this is the thing I want you to understand about Peter. Peter, in this moment, doesn't understand that he is being satanic. That's a heavy word. Is that something you use on a regular basis? You ever sit around at the coffee shop and go, man, I was feeling pretty satanic this morning. You ever just at the gym curling and going, I got to get in shape. I don't want to be satanic. No one, no one thinks about that. We, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, we kind of stay away from it. We, we keep satanic and, and the word demons. We keep that for Hollywood in the movies. We don't really want to address that much in church. We don't, we, we, we don't want to talk about that much in here. We, we've, even, we've even changed some of the language. We, we've started saying like the enemy. We don't even want to say it. We treat him like Voldemort. Everybody laughing is a nerd. 
The people that don't get it, you were cool in high school. Someone's going to shout out, how did you know then? I was a nerd. Like we want to say, but it's the truth. He didn't know in this moment. And this is the thing that I want you to understand about him. This is the part I want you, I want you to wrap your mind around what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is exposing, the reality of what Peter is doing. Now, you've got to understand, Peter had already professed his faith in Jesus. Peter has said, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Peter had walked with Jesus, seen Jesus do crazy things. He knew who he was. He believed in him. He knew him. But still in this moment... Peter had so much things in his, in his deepest self of the things of man, and he was so highly influenced, not just by negativity, not just by the enemy, not just by negative thoughts, not just by watered-down versions, but by Satan that he was mimicking in relaying the same thought process and driving Jesus the same direction that Satan himself was driving Jesus in the desert when Jesus went out and was tempted by the enemy early on in the Gospels. So Peter, who was a believer in Jesus, had faith in Jesus, saw Jesus do crazy, powerful things, said he was the Son of God, said he was the Messiah, knew he was the anointed one, already had a new identity, already had a new function, already had a new responsibility, was still, so, his mind in the deepest part of himself was still so highly influenced by Satan that in this moment, he still mimicked and reflected the thoughts and the philosophies and the ideologies of Satan himself to the point that he was a stumbling block and a trap for Jesus Christ himself. But I know you could never be influenced like that. Right? Yes, you could. So if you just kind of read through this, there's a, there's a part of you, and there's a part of me when you first read through this, you think Jesus Christ is kind of overreacting a little bit. Because Jesus just makes one statement. He cares about Jesus. I don't want you to die, Jesus. I don't want you to have to suffer, Jesus. This is never going to happen to you, Jesus. And then he calls him Satan. Jesus overreact much? No, but Jesus saw the reality of what was happening. Jesus saw that this was not just a human thought. This was not. There was something satanic about it. There was some influence. There was a molding. There was something going on that was a lot deeper, a lot darker. And that's why he, he, he came with this, 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 this crazy overreaction statement of, listen, get behind me, Satan. There's something deep inside you that's still the things of man. And I promise you, I'm telling you one thing. If you do not lay down the Simon inside of you, you will never discover the Peter. If you try to hold on to the Simon, I promise you, you will never discover Peter. You'll utterly destroy him. He starts leveraging this whole idea that there's something about Simon. Now, Simon said, I can just imagine Simon. Simon just always says some stupid things, but I can just imagine Simon didn't see this coming because just a few minutes ago, he was Jesus' boy, man. He just said, like, he's going to build the whole future of the church, and I'm going to get to be a major player in that, and now all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, like this little. Now, everything about Simon needs to die. And I want to talk to you about why. Because Jesus exposes something deep. Why does Simon, why does Simon's mind, his will, his emotions, why does his identity have to die? Not just for the glory of God. For a different reason. In Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 2, I'm going to read this to you. In Ephesians 2, Paul begins to teach the Ephesians. He begins to teach us through the Holy Spirit. He begins to teach us. He, 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 he talks about Jesus and, and kind of where Jesus came from and where he is and all the things that he accomplished. And then he, he, he turns to us. He turns to humanity. And he begins to lay the groundwork. And, and I want to I tell you something about this. This is the part where we did a series called Wisdom right at the end of 2017. And, and, and the reality of wisdom is this. There are just some things in this world that simply are. Wisdom is what is. 
Wisdom is those God-exposed, God-created, unchangeable, foundational realities that just exist. There are certain things that just are. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them. You can do it. And I know that you guys have been alive like 30 or 40 years and that, that you've got the whole you know, world figured out and the universe and everything, and you're super brilliant. I get that. But there are some things bigger than you, I know that you might not think that, called God and the universe, and there's some wisdom within that thing that simply are. And what you think about them really doesn't affect that. And that wise people look at those things that simply are and build their life around that reality. And that's what brings them success in life. That's what wisdom is. What we're about to present here is one of those things. It just is what it is. It's truth. It's God-exposed truth. It's the, it, it, the Bible says there are spiritual truths, spiritual realities that the Holy Spirit will begin to, to, to teach us to open us up, to give us freedom. This is one of those things. And if you will just open up your heart and open up your mind and don't let pride seep in and, and don't let humanism seep in and don't let the world try to water and don't, don't be offended. Because one, I'm not saying this. This is the Bible. Take it up with God. But if you just sit there and just listen, don't cross your arms and get all huffy puffy. And if your arms are crossed right now, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Just I'll, People are like, But just listen to what God wants to say to you and teach you this morning. This is Paul. He's, he's telling you about the you before you met Christ and what happened to you. And you might not have ever heard this before. As for you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the <clears throat> power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it in the Greek. This is straight over because there's one or two things that kind of get lost in translation, and they're kind of super important. So I'm going to read it again, and, I, and I'm going to teach through it this time. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 2. And you being dead in the trespasses and the sins of you in which you once walked. So what he's talking about right there is this. And you being dead in your trespasses and sin. We learned this last week. What's dead in sin? Zoe. Life. There's three forms of life that Jesus talks about all the time. Bios, which is like your physical life. Pinch your neighbors. Your opportunity to hurt somebody. Pinch them. Physical life. Bios. Then there's Zoe, eternal life. Anytime Jesus talks about himself as eternal life, or he talks about I came to give you life, or abundant life, or I came and I created life, or he talks about eternal life, main life, heaven life, it's always Zoe. This is the part that died. When, at, when God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat from the tree, you will die. This is the part that died in them, Zoe. This is the part that we are dead in our sins. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, this is the part that comes to life again, Zoe. So he says that Zoe is dead in sin. You are dead in sin. But your identity, your psyche, the third one, isn't. You're still breathing. You're still walking around. Your identity, what makes you you, even in your sin, you're always dead. You're not alive in Christ. You're dead in your sin. But you're you. You're still around. You're still having thoughts. You, the Simon and you, is still around being formed and molded and growing up. Watching TV and going to school and playing sports and reading Harry Potter. Two Harry Potter remarks in church. It's pretty good. One more and people start calling people pastor down there is evil reading Harry Potter. Right? Your identity. So what proceeds after this moment is your identity. Not your Zoe. Your Zoe is dead. So everything coming after this is about your identity. It's about the sweet little cuddly you. 
I love my little Hudson. Little squeeze, little cheek, little bubbly thing. I'm going to squeeze him until he cries. And Aubrey. All right, but their identities. I love, we're, we're sweet, we're cuddly people, but there are some things that happen to us before we know Christ. And this is some truth, and I'm going to go back to this. And you being dead in the trespasses and the sins of you in which once you walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. This is the part that's going to sting. Because I know you love you and I know you're cute and cuddly and I get that. And your mama told you you were special. I know. And you never did a wrong thing. You just had bad teachers and coaches. And all your friends tricked you into doing all those bad things. I know. But here's the reality. The reality is you're dead in your sin. And your identity says you walked. That means full circle. You walked full circle according to kata in the Greek. Out of, out from the age of this world. The age it means the culture, the atmosphere. The philosophies, the ideas of this world. Which came out of the prince or the authority of the ruler of the air. It literally means the air that we breathe. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spell this out just in a way that you can understand. And I know that this isn't popular and this isn't something that, that's going to go mainstream and this isn't going to get shared on Facebook and this isn't something you're going to go home and tweet about. I mean, this, is, this isn't something we really talk about. The church likes to ignore this, but this is the reality of what Scripture says multiple times over and over and over again. And this is what the Scripture is saying right here, right now, and I want you to hear me. The culture, the age comes out of, it is ruled by Satan himself. Now, I know you don't like that, but it is. The, the, the ideas, the philosophies, the things that are presented, the, the, the things that are important, the values, it is influenced, it is controlled by, it is molded by not just, not just differences, not just religions, not just, it's molded by Satan himself. It's out from Satan himself. That authority of the ruler of the air, meaning he, had, he is the ruler of the power that influences the air that we breathe. It's speaking to atmosphere. It's speaking to the thing, and it controls the age. It builds up the age in the world that we live in. This is what it's saying. Cute little cuddly you, the identity you had before Christ, was raised in a world that was molded and influenced by Satan himself. So the thing that taught you how to think was Satan. The thing that taught you what was important, that taught you what to value, that taught you about life, that, that, that when you were devising your plans and you were thinking you were going to be an astronaut and you were thinking what you were going to be in life and as you were growing up and you were valuing things and you were laying the groundwork and as you developed thoughts about marriage and thoughts about relationships and thoughts about sex and thoughts about purpose and you were laying thoughts about God and thoughts about things, the thing influencing you, what you walked full circle in, what you came out of was the age and the age in the world came out of Lucifer, Satan, the enemy, the devil, the roaring light roaming who to seek who he may devour the, the the enemy who hates God and hates you the enemy who wants to literally kill you kill your family wipe you off the face of the earth that's the thing that influenced the culture that raised you that taught you how to think that taught you what was important that taught you what to value that taught you what to think about life that taught you what to think about things and this is the thing and I, and I want you to understand this at the end of the day, the identity that you had before Christ, for all intents and purposes, was raised by Satan. All the parents just got offended. I know. Humanity gets offended at this. I know that. It was hard for me, too. 
But if you just step back for just a second, lower your arrogance and lower your ignorance and step back and look at history and look at the world, there is nothing but war, death, murder, rape, division, racism, hurt, and pain. Point to one kingdom, one nation, one generation. That that wasn't the beginning, the end of the fall. Don't say America, because I'll show you some stuff. Look at our country right now. You want me to keep going? You want me to keep going? I mean, look, look at the world. Somebody had to go teach Cain how to murder his brother. Somebody have to go teach you how to lie. Somebody have to go teach you how to be wicked and evil. Somebody had to teach you how to sin. Somebody had to teach you how to throw your life away. Had to teach you how to how to teach you how to chase things. How to, how to, no, no. Do you think? Do you think? So, how, how do you think the world? If there is not some dark, evil thing pressing, how, how do you think somebody like Hitler raises up and kills an almost an entire generation? How do you think over in North Korea just wiping out people right now? How do you think something like slavery exists at all? How can one man look at another man and say, I'm better than you. I'm going to own you. You're going to work for me for free for the rest of your life. And if you don't, I'll beat you and kill you. You're telling me there's not a dark force laying the groundwork, molding, influencing all that? If you d took one hour and you just went back and you just, or if you could just go back, and I know you slept through most of it, but if you could just go back and just, and just look at some world history from ninth and 10th grade, there's nothing from day one but war, death, hatred, evil, darkness. The only light that ever shines is the light of Jesus Christ. The only light that has ever shined is the light of Jesus Christ. The only light that has ever shined are the Simons that are willing to lay down their Simon and become the Peter. That's it. That's it. And this is, this is, this is the thing, and this is why Jesus didn't overreact. This is why Jesus was exposing. This is the reality. We don't realize it. We don't see it. Peter wasn't going, I'm about to be satanic right now. I'm about to be a trap and a stumbling block for my Savior and my Lord. This probably crushed him in a good way. Because his mind, everything he was raising, he was so warped. He didn't even realize it. This is why Jesus says, you've got to die. You've got to die. So I just want to sum this up. Everything. I struggle with this all week. I struggle with this all week because the reality of it is, is there's a lot of people in this room. You spent years and years and years formulating ideas and, 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 and values and what was important and laying foundations and laying life plans and laying all these things. And the foundation of that was satanic. And you don't like that, but you've got to understand, he does not care. You think in your mind like, like Hollywood, devil and Satan. He's beautiful, and he believes in God. He just has a lower view of God. And he hates him. And he hates you. So it, it, 
he, he doesn't care that, that you're doing things and accomplishing things as long as you are not accomplishing what you were born to accomplish for the glory of God. He is totally fine with you wasting your entire life building up your own kingdom and then dying and standing before the Lord knowing where your eternity will be. He's a deceiver. And there's a lot of people you stand deceived. Not defeated yet, but deceived in your mind. And right now, this is the state that Peter's in. There's still a form of deception because of how many years his mind had been molded. This is why the Simon in us has to die. This is why the first thing in the phase, when we get into this process, one of the first things that has to begin to take place in our life, there has to be a renewal of our minds. There has to be a renewal of our minds because you don't want the Simon to go away. You, you, you struggle because you valued X, Y, Z over here all your life. And now, now this may have to change and you, and you, and you don't want to, and there's something telling you like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and you, the, your mind has to be renewed so you can see how empty this is. You've been deceived into thinking that this is important when it's not. It's a facade. It's a house of cards. It's emptiness. It's nothing. But you will give your entire life to it and die for nothing when you were born for greatness. And so Christ is saying, you, you, you got your mind has been renewed. This is exactly why you go to Romans 12, 1. He says, you lay down your life as a living sacrifice. And then what? And then what? Do not conform. Let's just go there. At the end of the day, this is what I want to say to you. This is the part that hurts your feelings, I know. At the end of the day, the Simon in you, your identity in you, you have a demonic and a satanic view of God, life, and self. That's it. That's it. You have a demonic view. That view has to change. That's why your mind has to be renewed. That's why in Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now that I just told you all about the age of this world and the culture out of Ephesians 2, doesn't this scripture that I'm about to read going to make a lot more sense to us? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleading, his perfect will. Because right now, your mind's all warped up and messed up. Because you spent the whole life going through the school of Satan. Learning about life. Learning about family. Learning about marriage. Learning about God. Learning about who you are according to the mold that he did. So I'm going to teach you this really fast. And do not be conformed to the age. That word conformed, it literally means this. It literally means identified by a mold. That's literally what it means. So what it means is, is that the enemy went into the culture, went into the age, went into this world, and he created a mold. And for your entire life, you have spent shoving yourself into that mold, and your identity has taken the shape of that mold. And so you have laid the groundwork for your life. You have chosen careers. You have chosen purpose. You have chosen thought processes, chosen philosophies. You've chosen directions. You've chosen an entire way of life based on a mold that was created by Satan. So he says, before your mind can be removed, you've got to remove yourself from the mold. 
you got to step back and see the age for what it is. And this is the thing I want, you, I want to talk about really fast just to teach you something. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. The age, the atmosphere, this is a real thing. And I always do this. This is kind of funny. And sometimes it, it's the truth, though. So, like, let's just pretend there's, there's two concerts going on in Charlotte. On one end, there's a Garth Brooks concert, right? He's back now, I think. I don't really follow country music. Country music's fine. A lot of people got mad last week because I make fun of country music. Whatever. All right, on the other end of town, there's a Jay-Z concert. Music style's different. Culture's different. If Garth Brooks walked into the Jay-Z concert, do you think he'd be a little bit out of place? If Jay-Z walked into the Garth Brooks concert, do you think he'd be a little bit out of place? At the Jay-Z concert, Jay-Z's the man. At the, the culture, the, me, the, be, the, me, the, the, the beat is different. The music's different. Everything's different. Garth Brooks over here singing about friends in low places. That's him, right? Right? Everything, there's a, hey, when you walk in, here, here's my point. If I were to get on a cowboy hat and boots on, which you will never catch me in, by the way. And I don't know, you guys wear vests? I don't know. So in a, in a vest, maybe a rope and a big belt buckle that says like mud or something. And I went to the Jay-Z concert. I very quickly would understand that this is not, this doesn't fit into this mold. But if I went to the Garth Brooks concert, nobody even know I was there. Because I just fit in. I'd come in, I'd start talking about this. It'd be awesome. Right? If you, but here's the thing. If you start hanging out in a certain atmosphere before long, you understand what's cool, what's not cool. What's accepted, what's not accepted. You start learning what's valuable, what's not valuable. You start learning what, what's important, what's not important. You, you start, and over, it doesn't take long before you start talking the, the talk and saying the same language, and you know what's cool and what's not. Your clothes begin to change and everything, and you adapt. Now, I can still recite to you things I learned in my fraternity right now because I had a bucket on my head and 40 guys that could rip me apart screaming it at me a three-day period. I could right now, because you just, you just, in that environment, you just form. You just form to the mold. Marines do the same thing. You do the same thing growing up in your work, in your environment, in your school. Your school had a certain culture. There were things that were cool in your school, and you grew up, you grew up thinking there are certain... I mean, there's a, right now, your kids think you are absolutely stupid because of the things that you think are cool. But when you were growing up, they were amazing. Why? Because that was your culture. You, you, you fit into a form. We all understand this. What I'm saying to you is that the mold of the age in the earth was formed by Satan. You fit yourself into it. You became that without being aware that it was Satan that created it. So then when Paul says you lay your life down as a living sacrifice, stop conforming to the culture. This is one of the greatest problems with the church. As they keep trying, they try to be the church by conforming to the culture. We were not called to conform to the culture. We were called to change the culture. Christ did not die to fill us with the Spirit so that the Spirit of God could conform to the culture created by the devil himself. He filled us with the Spirit so we could go into the culture and break the mold. We are filled with power. So he says, don't conform to the age, don't conform to the mold, but step back and be transformed by the renewing of your mind because your mind is messed up. Because you can't even think straight. What you value, you can't, even, you can't even think about marriage in the right way. You don't even know what to value. 
You don't even know how to think about money the right way. You don't even know how to think about purpose the right way. You don't even know how to think about Jesus the right way. And that's the biggest problem with Peter right here in this moment. Even believing that he was the son of God, he still had such a low view of him that he felt like he could correct him. This is the reality. I'm going to read this to you really fast. This is in Corinthians 3. But their minds were hardened for this day when they read the old covenant. That same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So I want to teach you this really fast. This is what Paul's saying in a different way. He said, when you don't know Jesus Christ, your mind is hardened. Your mind is destroyed. Your mind is warped. Your mind is messed up, and there's a veil over your face. But when you turn to the Lord, you, you put your faith in Jesus, you begin to follow Jesus Christ, that veil is removed. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Your, your, your faith is in Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus, but your mind's still messed up. See, we have this, this religious mindset that when you give your life to Christ, that all of a sudden, you're all better. Your Zoe comes to life, and you have eternal life, and now the process can begin, but your mind's still messed up. It's now you have the power and the ability through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to behold the glory of God. Now when you turn and you behold and you meditate and you reflect God's majesty, God's, the, the glory of Christ, the power of Christ, the reality of Christ, the more he's revealed to you, it's in this moment as you look to the glory and the power of Christ that your mind begins to be transformed and you begin to go from one degree of glory to another by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not just going to church and being religious and sinning less. It's a revelation of the greatness and the power of Jesus Christ in a real way. Revelation equals renewal. Revelation is the only way that your mind will begin to be renewed in this life. I want to show you something powerful, and I want you to hang on. You know, this message has been a little different because I have struggled all week with this because I think anytime you start talking about Satan and you start exposing the reality of Satan, I think he starts to show up. Because I think his greatest ploy in this entire thing is trying to convince you that he's not around. And I think that he has done a lot of things this week to try to prevent me from getting to this place to tell you this right here. The foundation of your life, most of it, your thoughts, your philosophies, and your foundations, whether you agree with it or not, is satanic. And when you put your faith in Jesus, the only thing that's going to begin to renew your mind to teach you how to think is going to be the revelation of the glory and the majesty and the greatness of Jesus Christ. Not in some theological sense, not in some philosophical sense, not in some devotional sense, but a real, tangible, powerful revelation of Jesus Christ that can only happen when the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you in a unique and a powerful way. What's powerful, if you, if you read the scriptures, right after this moment, right after they, Jesus has this, you're a stumbling block, get behind me, Satan. He goes through this, he goes through the warning. They don't do anything for a few days. 
There's nothing recorded. The next thing is six days later, something happens. The very next significant thing that takes place in the life of the disciples, six days later, the Bible says that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. And suddenly, right before this moment, it says that Jesus was transfigured before them. That his clothes began to shine like white. That there was this, this white light that was just this huge thing. And, and, and Moses and, and Elijah showed up. And there's some significance in that. Uh, different message for a different time. And the disciples are just watching this crazy power. There is this, there, the Lord is revealing himself to them in a new and a crazy and a powerful way. And here's the thing, stupid Peter still walks up. They're talking. I just, I can't judge him. This would probably be me. Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. And Jesus just transfigured into this great majestic being. And he walks up and he goes, hey guys, it's good for us to be here. Um, So let's make some tents. I'm going to build a tent for you guys. And then we'll just hang out. As he's talking, God himself shows up. This is, don't miss this. And just for the record, if the creator of the universe has to interrupt you, you probably should have been talking. It literally says, as he was speaking, this cloud comes down, this voice comes down. And he says, this is my son, who I am well, who I love, who I am well pleased. And then I love the last sentence. Listen to him. And I screamed it because that's what happened. In the Greek, there's the most emphatic. That's exactly what happened. And I want you to understand the power of this. I want you to understand the power of this. Jesus is beginning to tell them, this is what I've got to go do. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to die. I've got to do this. Peter has this low view of him. Peter's mind's messed up. Peter's mind's warped from years of being raised in, in, in a culture that was formed by Satan himself. He's so influenced in that moment that he's, he's repeating satanic things and he doesn't even realize that he's laying down the same temptation before Jesus that Satan himself did. And Jesus says, God, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're still so messed up, man. And he says, that has to die. That has to die. Peter's not listening to him. And the very next thing, the very next thing they do, they go and they go up on this mountain. Jesus takes them up on this mountain alone by themselves. It's powerful. But still in his foolishness, he's trying to, and God has to come down and say, don't you understand the power and the majesty of who this is? Don't you get it? This isn't just some religious thing. This isn't some philosophical idea. This isn't some theology in some book somewhere. This isn't just something to read about in a library. This is the son of the living God. This is the king of kings. This is the lion of Judah. This is the lamb of heaven. This is the savior and the creator of the universe. This is my son whom I love. Shut your mouth and listen to him. He revealed himself to Peter. It was this moment, out of all the moments, not even the death of Jesus, 
not even the resurrection of Jesus. It was this moment years later in the book of Peter, as Peter wrote about when he said, I came to you. I didn't come to you in cleverly made up stories. I didn't come to you. And when I came to you in power, I came because I saw with my own eyes on the sacred mountain, the majesty of the King Jesus. And God came down and he begins to describe this very scene word for word what's portrayed in the gospels. It was this revelation moment that began to renew his mind. Years later, even right before his death, it was this moment that he looked back on. You need a revelation of the majesty and the power of Jesus Christ in your life. You need a, an accurate view of God. If you do not have an accurate view of God, you will have a satanic view of everything else. That's the only thing the devil tries to do in your life is tries to get your view of God from up here, down here. If he can shift your view of God, your view of Christ just a little bit down, he's got you. Your marriage doesn't have a chance. Raising your kids don't have a chance. Dr. Phil doesn't have an answer. Oprah doesn't have an answer. There's nobody that can help you on YouTube. There's nobody floating around social media. There's not a help book. If your view of God is satanic, your view of life is satanic, and you do not have a shot. I'm not ashamed of it because I know that there is power in it. You don't have to come back here. You don't have to like me. You can think I'm too spiritual. You, I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you something that will set you free. You were raised in a world that was formed and molded by Satan, by a roaring lion that hates you. But my God is the Lion of Judah. My God is the King of the universe. My God is the man. Everybody in earth will bow their knee and will confess that he is the King. I'm telling you, that lion, that roaring lion's already been defeated. He cannot win. But if he can deceive you and trick you into lowering your view down, you will waste your life and live for nothing and so I beg you chase God begin to seek him find a mountain and begin to pray find a secret place and begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal the majesty of God you don't need another race. You need the majesty of God. You don't need a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend. You need the majesty of God. You don't need a husband or a wife. You need the majesty of God. You don't need a bigger bank account. You need the majesty of God. You don't need to lose weight. You need the majesty of God. All the things you wrote down on your New Year's resolutions, throw them out the window. You need the majesty of God. I promise you, there is nothing in this life you need more than a revelation of the majesty of God. You need God. God, you want religion? This ain't the place for it. You need to chase him, man. You need to chase him. Your life's going to be over that fast. Your life's going to be over that fast. And the enemy's deceived you into thinking Simon's worth saving. And he's not. He's warped. But there is a Peter inside of you. And Jesus died for him. Chase God with everything you have. Because <laughs> you don't see it, but I see it. And some of you are going to throw your life away for this world. It's not worth it. There's nothing in this world worth it. There's nothing in this world worth it. You need a revelation of the majesty of Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for you. And parents, if you're believers, that needs to be your prayer for your kids. And that needs to be the only thing you pray until it happens. If you guys will stand with me.